Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Uh, it's my privilege today to, uh, to share from the Word of God. You guys ready? Uh, we're going through our series, There's No Place Like Home. Uh, this summer theme based on the scariest movie of all time, Wizard of Oz, right? Anyone familiar with that? I, uh, I watched it at a young age. Some would say too young. I don't care how old you are. That movie is scary with the uh, witches and monkeys and everything. But we are going to press forward uh, today. I was thinking about this, this phrase, there's no place like home. It's kind of a sentimental, rosy you know, phrase, very you know, conjures up positive thoughts. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of home uh, or what home is for you. Um, maybe it's not the place where you live now. Maybe it's a, you know, your parents' old house before they moved or something, right? But no matter where you live or who you live with or what kind of building um, you live in, we all have this uh, sentimental picture of home. That's why we say, you know, corny phrases like there's no place like home or home is where the heart is or the, uh, the song home is wherever I'm with you. And uh, I think... A lot of us in here, when we, we hear that word home, there's a couple different thoughts that come to mind, um, just a feeling of welcomeness and comfort and familiarity, right? Uh, I, I love being home myself. I, I consider myself a homebody. Uh, always look forward to, you know, leaving, leaving the office, going home, putting on the sweatpants and hunkering down for the night. And... Um, then, you know, I get a text from a friend, hey, you want to hang out? And I'm like, oh, I got to put on real pants, really? Like, maybe, maybe tomorrow, all right? Am I a terrible friend? Probably, but um, that's just part of, part of my introvertedness, I think. And so I came across a tweet um, this week, came across my timeline, and it says, uh, I need more friends who understand that I still want to be invited, but I'm not going. It's... Uh, that's the cry of my heart right there. Still invite me, you guys. I, I love you, um, but I'm going to stay home. <laughs> that's just where I'm, I'm comfortable. That's where, uh, that's where I like to be. And so I wondered for, for the rest of us, the same affection that we have for this idea of home, do we have that same affinity for the church? And, uh, you know, many people think, well, home isn't necessarily a specific place. Um, and that's, you know, probably the same with the church. You know, we have a, a church building. Um, but the reality is that you are the church. Um, the church isn't um, just what's inside these, these walls of the worship center. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And I, I'd invite you to consider the statement that there's no place like the church. Right? Instead of there's no place like home, there's no place like the church. Because what God does through his people, uh, the church, is unlike anything else in the entire world, unlike any other group of people, organization, it's entirely different. And the cool thing is that we get to par participate in that. You, you might want to tune me out already because it's like, hey, this guy works at a church. Of course, he's going to have a rosy, you know, he's the corporate shill up there talking about church, Right. Uh, but just, just hear me out. I, th I think, um, uh, you know, the, the Lord has a lot to say uh, this morning because 
as I look across the, the congregation today, I see faces of, of people that I hold dear to my heart, and Kayla, uh, my wife, uh, loves and holds dear to her heart as well. Um, and, and I know you guys, and I am privileged to be a part of North Bible Church. I, I love working here. Uh, it's one of the biggest blessings in my life. But uh, let's be honest. Got a little secret. We're not a perfect church here. <laughs> we're, we're not a perfect church. Uh, in fact, Rick Warren said, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And if there was, you wouldn't be allowed in. Wow, come on, man. Rick, really? You're going to do me like that? Um, but he's, he's so true. There, there, there's no such thing as a perfect church because the church is made up of imperfect people like, like myself. Uh, maybe a few of you as well. Um, but I want to zoom out a little bit today, not specifically talking about this church here, North Bible Church, because there's a lot of imperfect churches that are meeting right now across the valley, across the world. I want to talk about the capital C Church, uh, the universal church, the, the, the corporate body. Anyone who uh, calls themselves a believer in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, whether you're here in America or you're overseas, right? We're all a part of uh, the body of Christ, this church spans denominations, it spans countries, languages, ethnicities. So we're all in this together. There's no such thing as a perfect church. But despite our imperfections, the church is the vessel that God has called in order to share the good news with our world. It's not perfect, but it is vital. It is essential. The world is in desperate need for our church. And I, I, I shudder to think about what our world would look like without the presence of the church, capital C. So uh, the church should be a place that kind of feels like home, right? There's no place like home. There's no place like the church. And we're going to look at a passage today in Acts chapter 2. It might be familiar to some of you. Um, but this is a passage that shows how the early church, the very first Christians, operated in the very beginning. Right after Jesus was crucified and resurrected and ascended into heaven, he, he took the keys of the kingdom and handed it over to the church. And sometimes I think, Jesus, that's a big responsibility. Are you sure we're up for it? And uh, he, he looks at us and says, yes, yes you are. And so in Acts chapter 2, uh, we kind of come in at a tail end of a sermon preached by the Apostle Peter. In verse 41, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We're going to see what happens after this, how um, the early church, how, how they, be, they, they become the church outside of the walls of the worship center, and uh, how they uh, took the church into the neighborhood. Uh, let's read in verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, 
attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. And so the church is being the church, um, but it, it starts with God. Let's look at what, what God does in this passage. Um, he gets all the glory and all the credit. It's through him that, uh, that we even have a church. And so what did God do through the early church? We see three things that I want to highlight this morning that he, he prompted people to be, number one, unified. And in 2017 in America, that, that is kind of a, a foreign word to us. Unity, unified, like it's all about division and me versus you and, and winning, right? Uh, but the early church, God prompted people to be unified together, right? They had all things in common. And how did they, they do that? It's through the gift of hospitality. It's the idea of neighbors feeling at home with one another. Uh, that God gave the early Christians hospitality that they could uh, make each other feel welcomed into their homes. And so I was thinking, I was talking this week with some friends about uh, Mr. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, famous for, you know, his neighborhood and uh, anyone who watched him on TV calling them his neighbors. And I just thought that was so awesome. Well, knowing that Fred Rogers has a background in ministry, he's an ordained minister, I said, I thought, man, Fred Rogers was being the church, not in the worship center, but he was being the church on our TVs. I thought that was an amazing, amazing example. Uh, another fun fact about Fred Rogers is in his office um, at the PBS studios or wherever it was, he didn't have a desk. felt like the desk was kind of a barrier between conversations. And so he just had a couch and some armchairs that any of his neighbors could come in and talk by and, and talk. And um, that was just his mindset of hospitality, of being the church and being um, intentional with relationships. So God prompted people to be unified. Number two, he also prompted people to be generous, that they were able to meet tangible needs um, among their community, right? They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Um, they weren't forced to do that. This was a, a, a volunteer, a willingness, a desire um, to be generous, and later on in the passage, in verse 46, it says, They received their food with glad and generous hearts. These Christians opened their homes to one another. Um, they shared their homes with one another. They shared their possessions. They looked around them and saw a need and said, What can I do to meet this need? And this, this concept of glad and generous hearts, these two words, glad and and generous that should always be going together. And uh, I'm going to, you know, just be honest with, with my, myself real quick. A lot of times I'm glad, but I forget the generous part. I separate these two. It's, it's so easy, right? Someone else does something amazing for me, something generous, and I'm so glad that it happened, but then I kind of break the chain or the cycle and, you know, just kind of keep it to myself. When God does something generous for me, and I'm so glad that that happened, and I forget to be generous in return uh, back to God. It's this idea of these early Christians, they were blessed in order to be a blessing to the people 
around them. And number three, God prompted the people to be saved. We, we know that in this passage that thousands of prodigal sons and prodigal daughters were coming home, welcomed into the family by a loving father with open arms. And that's just a, a beautiful thing. We should give God all the praise and glory for that. That's, that's what the church is, is all about. But how, how did the church um, get to that point? What, did, what was the church's role? Each individual person, um, how did they get to this point to where God could work through them? And so I want to look at uh, verse 42 because there's four things that the church devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These are four hills that the early church was willing to die on that they were going to make sure that they majored in these areas. And everything else is kind of on the periphery or on the back burner. But we're going to focus on these four things and watch God work in our community. Number one, the, the apostles' teaching. The Greek word there is didache. And it actually uh, could also be translated as doctrine. And so by uh, devoting themselves to the doctrine, um, these disciples, these Christians, uh, we're dedicated to lifelong learning. How can I learn more about God? What do we believe about God? Why do we believe what we believe about God? And they uh, made their faith personal, and they owned it. Many of them were, were Jewish converts, and so they already knew a great deal about God uh, growing up in the temple and, and just in, in that uh, culture, knowing a lot and knowing the prophecies about the Messiah, Jesus. Uh, but they were still committed to learning more and more as much as they could every single day. I think in 2017, that's still relevant. I think uh, the church is still full of people who desire to learn more about God. The Pew Research Group did a study uh, recently, on key reasons why people choose a church. The number one answer uh, was preaching quality. 83% of respondents said that the reason why I choose a church is the quality of the preaching, what they're teaching about God. I want to learn more. People don't want watered down or shallow teaching. We want to be challenged. And so we see that the, the early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Number two, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Um, now this, this uh, term, uh, I'm guilty of it myself, uh, over the years has been watered down in church terminology, right? This idea of fellowship, where it's like, hey, come to the potluck and we'll have good fellowship. Okay. Well, what does that even mean? Is that just like hanging out, shooting the breeze, surface conversations, right? And uh, I think we do an injustice to this term. The Greek term koinonia is much, much deeper than just hanging out and shooting the breeze with someone. Uh, my college professor um, described it this way. He said, picture your life is a ship, and you're on stormy seas, and uh, maybe you've sprung a leak and you're kind of fighting for your life. And then all of a sudden, a fellowship comes by. Oh, wow, fellowship. Yeah, this fellowship is there to help. 
right? They're not there just to say hey and float on by, but they are there to help you, um, and uh, it's, it's real. Um, it's sacrificial giving. It's hospitality. Um, in, in the book of Romans, uh, this word koinonia was also used. Uh, you know, it's translated fellowship and acts, but in Romans we see these churches from Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. And that word contribution is the Greek word koinonia. That it wasn't just, hey guys, like, hope you have fun, good luck. Um, this was real giving, sacrificial giving. Doing kingdom work together, investing in people's lives, meeting a real need, and considering others more significant than yourselves. That's, that's fellowship, that's koinonia. Number three, these disciples devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, in, 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 in verse 42 of Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. And that uh, incorporated the Lord's Supper. When Jesus told his disciples, he said, here's this bread, and he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. But it also just meant breaking bread together, eating meals together, um, doing life together, opening your homes our church has a meal ministry. Uh, if you're on the meal ministry, thank you. I've been blessed um, by the meal ministry. It's like anytime something's going on where you get home from the hospital uh, or you have some sort of need and the meal ministry comes by and provides meals. Like when, Kay when Kayla had uh, Violet, we were blessed by the meal ministry in Emerson, blessed again by the meal ministry, and it's just a huge um, lifesaver. Uh, they literally took this idea of uh, cooking meals, took it off my plate, and then put it back on my plate, served up nice and warm. Um, and it was amazing. It was a huge answer to prayer. But even outside of the official sign-up genius uh, meal ministry, we have people in our congregation breaking bread with one another um, all the time. Uh, you know, We've been fortunate to be invited to people's houses for holidays and game nights and dinners and things like that, or some friends who call us up and say, hey, we're bringing pizza over, we're going to eat with you, and it's like, okay, yeah, can't say no to that. Um, but just doing life together, building relationships. Even this week, um, Kayla's been a little under the weather, and so on Wednesday, I got to, to bust out my chef's hat and... Um, heated up a nice frozen pizza, but uh, another family in the church found out um, that she was under the weather, and so on Thursday, they brought us by a really, really amazing meal for dinner that night, and uh, so that family, bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, we've been blessed by, by breaking bread with people and breaking bread thanks to the people in this community, and that's the church being the church. The fourth thing that uh, the early church devoted themselves to, last but certainly not least, is the prayers. When I was studying this week, I came across a quote from William Barclay talking about prayer. These early Christians knew that they could not meet life in their own strength and that they did not need to do so. They always spoke to God before they spoke with men they always went into God before they went out to the world. 
they could meet the problems of life because they had first met God. And I'm so grateful and encouraged to be a part of a church that takes prayer seriously. With our prayer team that we have um, after service on the sides and uh, committing to pray for all of the requests that come in throughout the week. With our elders who dedicate an entire meeting towards prayer. The elders' wives, um, they always pray for the staff and we need it, so thank you for that. Um, the Tuesday morning Bible study that my wife was a part of before Emerson was born, they brought her and they, they brought me in too, and they prayed over us before we went into the hospital. And prayer is not something that's an empty gesture, fake sentimentality. This is powerful, life-giving kingdom work. The apostles, the early church, devoted themselves to the prayers. And so I want to look at four things that you and I um, can devote our lives to, how we can be the church in 2017, not inside these walls, but out in our community. Um, And uh, it's straight from verse 42. Number one, humbly grow in your knowledge. Never get to a place where you have everything figured out, but always be seeking to learn. Uh, Read your Bible. Talk to um, other Christians, other believers. Find out why we believe what we believe. Devote yourself to learning the doctrines. Ask questions. Join a Bible study. Pick up wisdom from other people. That's what being devoted to the apostles' teaching is all about. Number two, look for the needs of the people around you. This isn't just some blanket, I'm going to throw this out, and maybe a couple people will go home and listen to it. This is for every single person in this room, middle schoolers, high schoolers, adults. Meet the needs of the people around you. Be the church to them. This takes great relational awareness, and it takes listening to the Holy Spirit nudging you. Now, if someone has a need in your life and you know about it, what are you going to do about it? God has placed you in their lives for a reason. And if you don't do something, then who will? Are you going to take the risk that someone else is going to come along behind you and pick up your slack? Think about the people in your workplace, at your schools, in your families. What can you do to meet their needs? How can you serve them? That's what fellowship is all about, sacrificial giving and serving. We always come up with excuses, don't we? If I ignore it, it'll go away. They'll be better off, you know, if they go through this trial on their own. Uh, I'm too timid to, to, you know, insert myself into this situation. It's too inconvenient for my life. Someone else will come along and do it for me. But the reality is God has placed you in their lives. Let's not make these excuses. Let's be devoted to the fellowship. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. But how can we complain when we know what God has sacrificed for us? Number three, be hospitable. Open your homes, love your neighbors, uh, have real conversations, ask, out, ask them how they're doing, 
And I think that uh, when we're hospitable to the people around us, whether they know God or not, we reflect God's character to them through our actions, through our goodness. Uh, We reflect God's grace and his love. And we can be devoted uh, to breaking bread with the people around us. That kind of goes hand in hand with number two, right? Because if we break bread with someone, we're having real conversations, then we find out what their needs are and we're able um, to provide for them. Number four, talk to God more than you talk to anyone else. Are you committed? Are you devoted to prayer? This thing that we call church will not be effective if we don't pray. How, how would we expect God's people to be effective if we subtract God from the equation? So I want to challenge us to be devoted to prayer, to talk to God more than we talk with anyone else. When we do that, it's a reminder for us that we're, we're not the Savior. We're not the ones who are getting the pat on the back but that we're simply a vessel. We're the church. We're, we're the means that we can show God's love. And he's the one who gets the glory and the praise. In middle school ministry, we've been going through this series talking about spiritual disciplines. And one of the things, obviously, prayer is a spiritual discipline. It's something that we need to be intentional with. And so the Bible you know, gives several different challenges to pray without ceasing, to pray continually, and and how can we be reminded of that? How can we be devoted to prayer when oftentimes it just slips our mind? And so we've talked about some reminders that we we all have, right? Every time we sit down to pray, that's, or we sit down to eat and we pray, that's a reminder uh, of being devoted to prayer. Um, I, I threw out a couple other ones, a couple other reminders for us on a daily basis, Watch beeps, I pray. Anytime, you know, on the hour, if you've got a coworker or you wear a watch that beeps every hour, that's a good reminder to just pray. Um, if you're in school and the bell rings, that's a good reminder to pray. Uh, happens, every, you know, every 50 minutes or so, and it's a good reminder. I'm going to pray for the next class, or I'm going to pray for this situation. My friends who are in this class, as I'm walking there, ambulance passes, I pray. Is a good reminder to pray for the people um, who are a part of, you know, in the ambulance and their families. Um, what kind of reminders do you have in your life to pray without ceasing, to pray continually? They could be something silly like watch, you know, watch beeps or whatever. Um, you get a text message or email or whatever. But we need to put these things in our lives so that we can devote our lives to prayer. Everyone in this room, um, you are a part of the church. We need you. We need your help. The people around you need you. And so this isn't just, uh, like I said, a generic message just for a couple people to walk home and, and be inspired by, but this is for every single person in this room. If you commit to these four things, being devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, watch what God does. See how he works in your life and in your world, in your neighborhood, in your schools. 
We see the results in Acts 2.47. The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. This isn't just a, a, a temporary um, feeling of relief or you know, a moment of provision that uh, will get them to the next day, but this is an eternal impact that when you are the church, when you show the love of Christ to the people in, in their lives, their lives are changed forever. And so if not you, then who? God, we worship you today. We, we celebrate the lives that you have changed, our lives, our families' lives. God, that you've been so generous to us in your love, sacrificing your son so that we could receive salvation and help us to receive that generosity with glad hearts, um, but also help us to be willing to, to pass that along, um, to be willing to sacrifice for other people, to show generosity, to be faithful to the calling that you've given us, to be aware of the needs of the people around us, to not be so consumed with our own lives, but to consider others. So Jesus, we need your help this week. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me for the final uh, benediction and blessing? We, we do have prayer partners who will be over on the side. And if you do have prayer requests, um, you can fill, fill out a, a form over there. We'll pray for you. If you want to join the prayer team, we would love to have you link arms with us and uh, join us as we pray for the people of this community. Um, as we think about... Um, you know, having glad and generous hearts. Uh, I wanted to remind you guys that we have the, uh, the duck backpacks out in the lobby. There are still some backpacks that need um, to be accounted for. This is a real need in our community that we can provide backpacks and school supplies uh, for people. And so I want to challenge you guys this week, go and be the church. Devote yourselves um, to, to God and giving him all the credit, but be generous and be glad. Have a great week. I love you. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.